From the Financial Times in London, I'm Andrew Jack, and this is FT News. What are the risk factors that cause some people to suffer from dementia in later life? And what percentage of cases could be prevented by addressing these risks? A big international conference in London has been looking at these questions. And here with me to discuss the main findings is our science editor, Clive Cookson. So tell us, what do we know about the onset of dementia? It's only in the last five years or so that experts have really begun to disentangle the factors that cause Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. Obviously, like all diseases, it's a combination of genetic and environmental factors. And the latest evidence presented at this week's conference in London and produced by a big expert commission put together by the Lancet Journal shows that about one-third of Alzheimer's and dementia cases could be prevented, at least in theory, by making changes to the lifestyle or the environment. So what are some of the big factors they were identifying that could reduce the burden of dementia for people? They've identified nine. And the largest, just, and certainly the one that surprised me most, was hearing loss. They identify hearing loss as contributing to 9% of all Alzheimer cases. And if impending deafness could be prevented somehow in middle age... That would make a huge difference, they say. This is quite a new finding, and I wouldn't say that that 9% figure is at all secure. I myself think it's probably a bit high. And they do say that whether that means that hearing aids would be a big help remains to be seen. It seems that the reason why hearing loss affects Alzheimer's is twofold. One As you become deaf, you become socially more isolated. And there's a lot of evidence that social isolation is bad for the brain and leads to cognitive decline. But it may also be that the hearing loss itself is somehow connected to the biology of the disease. So it may be both cause and effect. So a bit like loss of sight and indeed education, which have also come out as factors, that seems to suggest perhaps there's less stimulation in the brain, brain exercise, as it were, that might be a reinforcement and a defence in later life. Exactly. I think the term that's being used increasingly is cognitive reserve, and that can start from birth. If you have an educationally and socially rich childhood, complete education at least to secondary school, preferably through university, that gives your brain all the rich connections that produces resilience later in life. So education is very important from the start. Then there are a lot of factors in middle life. For example, things that make you healthier in the cardiovascular sense, preventing heart disease, can also help to reduce the incidence of dementia. And one member of the commission I spoke to said that he thought the biggest single thing people could do was to treat hypertension, high blood pressure, helps their heart, helps their brain. And treating how? Well, there are a lot of drugs that can reduce blood pressure. And of course, there are a lot of dietary and other lifestyle changes that you can make to bring down your blood pressure. And more generally, it does seem that there is this fairly standard package of interventions, doesn't there, around diet, alcohol, smoking, sleep, deprivation, all of which seem to have a big impact on all sorts of chronic diseases that develop in later life. Exactly. I mean, putting it very broadly, what prevents dementia seems to prevent most forms of cancer and cardiovascular disease. I mean, obviously, you're going to die in the end of something. 
but it means that you're going to live a longer, healthier life before that death. And do you think there's also been a, or does this drive a greater debate around the focus on prevention? Because we've seen so much money and effort and indeed frustration, I think, with treatments, haven't we, in the development of potential new drugs in the last few years. Is this a sort of clarion call to refocus efforts? It certainly is, but I don't think it's either or. As you say, an awful lot has been spent unsuccessfully by the pharmaceuticals industry on drugs to treat Alzheimer's. These have failed probably because they're going for the wrong target. They've been going for the build-up of amyloid protein plaques, which certainly happen in the Alzheimer's brain. But it now seems that it's a bit late to do that. And what's really going to be needed if we're going to treat it pharmaceutically is to go for earlier changes in the brain. There are proteins that sort of fold in the wrong way. Several proteins are involved. One's called tau, then there's amyloid itself. But maybe if we can attack that earlier. Now, unfortunately, at this week's conference, there have been no exciting new pharmaceutical drug trial results. But bubbling under, there are some smaller biotech companies with interesting new approaches. And I think that in a few years' time, the pendulum might swing back towards treatment. And on the other hand, how is the science developing in terms of understanding the genetic predisposition? I mean, there's clearly certain genes that do seem to have a high propensity to lead to dementia in later life. Yes, there's one called APOE4, which is much the most important Alzheimer's gene. And according to the Lancet report, it's probably responsible for about 7% of cases. But there are myriad other genes. The Discovery of Three were announced this week, and there are dozens of Alzheimer's susceptibility genes that add a tiny amount to the burden of the disease. And it may be that of the 20,000 human genes in our DNA, as many as half, as many as 10,000 may have some influence on Alzheimer's. So the genetic picture is very complex and very messy. And just remind us about how important really this burden is. Of course, we know it's debilitating for the individuals, but also for their families and carers more generally. How widespread is dementia and how fast is it growing around the world? It's growing very fast, but that's mainly because of the ageing population. And as we become more successful at treating and preventing heart disease and cancer, the other two big killers, and having wiped out most infectious diseases... We do have to die of something, and that means the incidence of dementia is increasing rapidly. The global total this year is around 50 million people suffering from dementia. But there's a very interesting finding, Andrew, that although the total burden is increasing rapidly, the actual incidence of Alzheimer's at any particular age, 80 or 90, is beginning to fall, which shows that we must be doing something right in our lifestyle and environment. Just a final word, Clive, on the FT seasonal appeal, because we've taken a view that this area and some of the organisations involved with it are particularly strategic and worth focusing on. We have indeed. The FT staff voted on which charities should benefit from our seasonal appeal later this year. And Alzheimer's Research UK came out as the winner. So readers can expect a series of articles and content from the FT in the coming months around this appeal. Yes, and the money raised will go in particular to just understanding biologically what's happening in the brain when Alzheimer's sets in, when there's a cognitive collapse and what we can do about it. But for now, at least, it seems that prevention really is a very promising area to focus on alongside Cura. Absolutely, Andrew, yes. 
Clive, thanks very much. can't buy stock in a state because indiana is soaring securing over 50 billion in new investments from high-tech industries putting indiana at the center of tomorrow's global economy indiana economic development corporation for the bull.com